0: front room, uh, maybe from your kitchen, maybe uh, you're in your vehicle driving. We even have uh, friends that are tuning in internationally because uh, churches all across our country are unable to uh, have services uh, because of, of six foot distancing and business being closed and churches being closed. So I welcome you from here in Goshen, Indiana. Uh, We're excited that uh, you're with us today, and uh, I'm excited too uh, to have an opportunity to bring hope uh, to our world uh, today. Let me just begin with some preliminary thoughts as I Uh, speak to you uh, wherever uh, you find this feed today. Um, God isn't surprised uh, by what's happening in our world, and he didn't wake up this morning because he never slumbers nor sleeps. And before the foundation of the world, he knew this was going to happen. And before you and I got up this morning, everything that we will encounter today has already gone through his hands. That should bring you great comfort. It's not as if you're facing it alone. God is with you and is with you. Just a couple other things I would like to say. These are unprecedented times. Never in my lifetime of 58 years have I experienced something like this, nor have most of you experienced something like this. And so we as a church here at Grace Community are trying our best to respond Uh, to what is happening in our world, to be hope givers and to stand up and say we have nothing to be afraid of because Jesus is with us. So thanks for tuning in today. I hope by the time we get through this whole worship service and just that worship set alone that you're finding peace in God knowing that he can take you through this time He can help you walk through challenging, uncertain times, and that He is with you. I also want to take time to do this. Sometimes in the midst of uncertain times, and even with this whole coronavirus outbreak that's happening in our world, we have a tendency to look at our needs and to see how it disrupts our world only. But even as we sit here today, there are people in our world that have the virus, there are people who are being tested, and there are hospital workers and leaders in our country that are working long shifts and long hours, and they're trying to get ahead and to bring an end to what's happening with this virus uh, affection, infection in our world. So take time today, even throughout this day. Our president has declared this the National Day of Prayer What greater thing for us to do as believers in Christ than to pray, not complain, but to pray, and join with other brothers and sisters, and ask God that He would be elevated through this time. Just a few facts that I ran across for where we're at here in Indiana. um, That as of these were facts as of Friday, there were fifteen total positive cases in Indiana. There are zero deaths as I speak today. And there are 89, and that number has climbed a lot over the weekend, of people that are getting tested from this. Now, I want to also address this and say, what an awesome opportunity we have as parents and as family units to take advantage of what is put into place, the six-foot social distancing. And we're finding that sports are being halted. Schools in our area are, are, are shutting down. And I would encourage you, this is an incredible time to take advantage of that. Maybe for the first time in many months, maybe for the first time in weeks, you're able to have a dinner with your family. You're able to not have to chase your child around all creation and take them to school events and sporting events and music events. And now for the first time in a very long time, you can hit the pause button and you can impact your family. You can have family time. So God does turn these kind of things into good, and that's one of the good things that's happening as a result of it. Let me just share from my heart why we're broadcasting and why we've chose to um, not have services here. One reason is the church is not a building. We're not confined to the building. Just because we meet on Sunday mornings doesn't mean that the church isn't fully alive and thriving. In fact, it's going to be more alive than it's ever been, but I want you to know this from my heart to you. I I do love you guys. And uh, I've been praying for you. And uh, in fact, I've lost some sleep thinking about uh, this whole situation in our world. I I, want to lead you well. And our church and our leaders want to lead you well. (laughs) And I know that my primary responsibility and our church's leadership's primary responsibility is to care for you well. And I know that God has called me to shepherd you well. And as I process that, even today, some thoughts. I do not fear catching the coronavirus. One bit. I I really don't. And if I do, and I survive or don't survive, I'm honestly not fazed by that because I know where my future is. But I don't want to spread it. And I don't want... a decision that I have made for others, have them have the chance of catching it too. So as a senior pastor at Grace Community, for me only, it would be different if I was making this decision for myself. But I don't want my bravado and I don't want my sense of invincibility that can creep into my heart and probably for you too at times to hurt anyone else. I have been entrusted to care for grace and thousands of people by God, and my primary responsibility is for your safety, care, and protection. So that's why we've chosen to meet this way, so that we don't spread the virus, and I don't want to let any of my pride, if so, be stepping in the way of seeing that happen. Many of you are wondering today, you're you're listening to this message, you're wondering, what's next? You're wondering, uh, who's going to be infected next? You're wondering, is there an end to this? You're wondering, is the stock market going to crash? Am I going to lose all my, my savings? You're wondering, where is my responsibility in this? And is God in full control of what's happening in our world? And some of you might even be wondering, I hope not, is this the end of the world? And by the way, if it is, if you know Jesus Christ, then Maranatha, come, Lord, quickly. The Bible addresses some of the fears that are out there. In fact, Jesus said these very words to some of his closest followers. He said this in John. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. So there will be times when your hearts are troubled. And as I was processing some thoughts of times in my life when my heart wanted to be troubled, I went back to a recent event just seven months ago this weekend. I found myself in a hospital here in Goshen for the first time in a very, 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 very long time since probably my birth that I was kept overnight because I found out that, that I had heart issues And I wasn't aware of it until the testing took place. And so, even this morning, I grabbed this as a reminder that I wore this bracelet for about four days or three days. And on this bracelet, it has my name, my birth date. It has that I checked into the Goshen Hospital. And what I found out was that I had my Widowmaker Artery the, the, the artery that controls the top part of, of my heart was 99% blocked. And I don't know if any of you have ever walked through that. Up to that point, I didn't think much about my invincibility. I didn't think much about dying. And as far as I knew, I was very healthy and had worked very hard to uh, remain healthy with exercise, But when you have a doctor look at you after this procedure, once they put a stent in and say these words, Jim, you should be dead. You begin to think and process differently about life and death. So every time I pick up this bracelet, I praise God because for some reason, unbeknownst to me, he wanted my life to continue. And since that time, I have had friends, dear friends, that have died Of the very same thing that I was diagnosed with. And so death is a reality. And even during that time as I sat with my wife. And I sat with my children and family. And we processed that whole scenario. When fear wanted to invade my mind. When I wanted to let my heart be troubled. We were able to capture those thoughts with the truth's that are written even in the texts today. I want you to grab your Bibles or your mobile devices where you're gathered and turn to John chapter 14. And Jesus spoke to this very issue of what it means for your heart to be troubled. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. So turn to John chapter 14 and let's just see what Jesus had to say in regards to Uh, your heart being wanting to be full of fear John chapter 14 and I'll read and and you can follow along in your Bibles and but just listen to what Jesus said in regards to fear and a troubled heart John 14 says do not let your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that. And I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Let me just set that setting for a second. That was 2,000 years ago. The disciples who had left everything to follow Jesus had got word from him that he was leaving them. And he knew that the cross was just days away. He knew how to cope with what he was about to experience, but they didn't know how to cope with what they were about to experience because they had spent 3 years of their lives daily every morning every afternoon every evening walking with the miracle maker the healer they had spent time with Jesus on earth and they knew after spending time with him that he was the messiah but what confused them during this time and what was troubling their hearts and what was leaving them, we would say, bewildered was they didn't know how to cope with this. You see, it was the trouble hearts that Jesus was addressing to them. It was the trouble in their minds that troubled Jesus. And so as he looked at them, he could see their eyes, he could see their fears. He could read their Facebook posts, he could see their social media posts that they were afraid and they were wondering and they were so focused on him leaving them and what it might mean to them that they lost hope in the one that was with them. You see, God will often lead us to places where we must trust and not just believe. I want you to think for a moment about those two words. There's a big difference when we say we believe in God and we trust in God. Believe is something we're able to do because we have seen something. We believe because we see. Trust in something or in God is, I trust you even if I can't see you. And so for us, as we walk through our uncertain world, and as we see people fretting and panicking and worrying, believers can believe that God is in control and can trust that he is in control based upon what he has already done. The Bible is loaded from Genesis to Revelation with accounts of times that he came through. And so even for us, I remember packing up Our family at the time, Josh was nine months old, 20-some years ago, many years ago, leaving our hometown at the time, Hagerstown, Maryland, and believing in God that he was calling us to ministry, saying goodbye to family, all our friends, our possessions, a beautiful home in the country, and moving to Winona Lake, Indiana, because we felt like God was calling us to go to seminary and to get an education so that we could become pastors in a pastoral family one day. I remember loading up that rider truck, that 26-foot rider truck. Josh was nine months old. We had him in a car seat in the front of the truck that I was driving. Ann was in tow behind by herself with the loaded down van. And I remember pulling away, sobbing tears, saying goodbye to everyone, Josh blowing raspberries because he could hear the diesel engine in the rider truck, believing that God was calling us but trusting that he would provide for our needs. You see, when we left there 20 some plus years ago, we didn't have but five weeks of income. I had no job, but we believed that God was calling us. And we trusted that he would provide. In the fourth week of being in Winona Lake without a job, without daily income coming in, living in a two-bedroom apartment upstairs, no family around, I remember sitting with my wife and the two of us saying, we believe that God has called us here. And we trust that he will provide. You see, it was that week that I got a call from a friend that I didn't realize was even in the area that I had played basketball with in my freshman year at Grace College. And he had got word that I was in town for seminary and he called me up in the short and sweet story. He says, Jim, I hear that you're a carpenter. I need a carpenter. Would you be willing to... to, to trim out a full house that I have. If it works out, we'd like to bring you on. In a short matter of time, I went and trimmed out this house. He hired me on. I became a self-employed carpenter for him. He gave me a truck to drive. We were able to have insurance. And God provided for our every need. As I think about that and the disciples, they were believing in God, but now it was time for them to trust. You see, they were stirred up because they weren't trusting in the plan of God. They were focusing on their problems. And boy, is our world doing that right now. What are we going to do with this corona, COVID-19? What's going to happen? You see, if you place Jesus between you and the problem, all your believing falls in him and your trusting lands in the hands of a God that loves you. You see, fear is the absence of trust. So if you're fearing, it's because you have an absence of trust in God who holds the world together. Just prior to this, Jesus had reminded his disciples in John 13 about his leaving. And I want you to look at John chapter 13, just the chapter before, and look at verse 27 of John chapter 13. And look what it says. In John chapter 13, and verse 27, or 26, Jesus answered, Is this the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish? Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do so quickly. Jesus even knew that one of his own would betray him and yet he was telling them to trust in him in John chapter 13 even prior to that in verse 7 it says this Jesus said this Jesus replied you do not realize now what I am doing but later you will understand isn't that the case for us God, we don't know what we're, you're doing right now. We don't know why we're walking through this. God, we don't understand completely. And the same words that he said to his disciples, he says to us in our world today. You don't understand what I'm doing now or allowing now, but later you will understand. Recently, we had a dear sister here at Grace Community, Kelly Rassler. Lose her husband to a heart attack. The Widowmaker. 34 years old. Four precious kids. Taken overnight. I have watched Kelly not only believe in God, but trust in God. I heard her say this just a few Wednesday nights ago, weeks ago in Prayer Encounter. She said these words that I wrote down because they're so true. She said this, God, I trust in your character more than I do my knowledge. God, I trust in your character more than I do my knowledge. You see, that's what we should do as believers because he has proven himself that we can trust him and he's telling these disciples, don't you know that you can trust me? Haven't you watched all these things I've already done? And the same thing can be spoken to you sitting right there in that front room watching this message today. Don't you know that you can trust him and trust his character more than you trust your knowledge? Keep in mind, just prior to this, just just a few days before Jesus is saying this, he came riding in on a donkey for Palm Sunday and there were palm leaves, and people were honoring him and lifting him up, and the disciples were like, there's the Messiah, he's the king. Just prior to that, they had seen that. Yet, now they're experiencing pain like they have never experienced. You see, for them, they didn't put the pieces all together that death was coming soon. They wanted Jesus to remain with them. But Jesus was about to leave them. You see, we have to trust Jesus even when we don't see all the reasons we're walking through what we're walking through. So Jesus told him, you believe in God, don't you? Who you don't see. Then you have seen me, so you can believe in me. And not only believe in me, but trust in me. You see, most of us want control in our lives. So did these disciples. But lack of control can lead to fear if we don't trust in the God who can take care of our fear. You see, there's a great gap. I want you to think about it. There's a great gap between what is taught, what I'm teaching today, and what is learned and many of you have been taught the truths of God's word. You have read it, and maybe you read it again this morning, and you have been taught and taught and taught. But there is a great gap between what is taught and what is learned. And these disciples were taught many, many things from Jesus. But now it's their chance to take what was taught and trust and now learn and apply the Bible has two Greek words for know. There's the Greek word oida, and there's the Greek word gnosko. We can know God, and we can know God. The oida is, I know by fact. Gnosko is, I know through experience. And so as we walk through these hard times, as I sit in this time with the COVID-19, I know that God is in full control. Why? Because I have the facts and I've experienced it. And that gap has been closed from what has been taught by what has been learned. And so I'm just asking you out there, those of you who are believers, this is your chance to close the gap and trust in Jesus, You see, there is, over time, many, many opportunities for us to trust. But too often we tend to trust in ourselves and end up letting the circumstances around us dictate our responses to them. So I want to ask you a question. Do you really trust Jesus? Many of you have been taught and taught and taught and taught... Do the words that come out of your mouth today and all last week and a week before and tomorrow, are those words that say, I trust in Jesus? My hope is that is the case. I recently read, came across a Psalm 23. One is called the anti-Psalm. It's the the complete opposite of what Psalm 23 is saying, and my hope is this isn't the world that you live in. Listen to Psalm 23 written as the anti-Psalm. Listen to this. I am on my own. No one looks out for me or protects me. I experience a continual sense of need. Nothing's quite right. I am always restless. I am easily frustrated and often disappointed. It's a jungle. I feel overwhelmed. It's a desert. I'm thirsty. My soul feels broken, twisted, and stuck. I can't fix myself. I stumble down some dark paths. Still, I insist. I want to do what I want when I want how I want. But life's confusing. Why don't things ever really work out? I'm haunted by emptiness and futility, shadows of death. I fear the big hurt and final loss. Death is waiting for me at the end of every road. But I rather not think about that. I spend my life protecting myself. Bad things can happen. I find no lasting comfort. I'm alone facing everything that could hurt me. Are my friends really friends? Other people use me for their own ends. I can't really trust anyone. No one has my back. No one is really for me except me. I'm so much all about me, sometimes it's sickening. I belong to no one except myself. My cup is never quite full enough. I'm left empty. Disappointment follows me all the days of my life. Will I just be obliterated into nothingness? Will I be alone forever, homeless, free-falling into void? Hell is for other people. I have to add, hell is also myself. It's a living death, and then I die. But the truth is, this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside Quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you taste the difference? You see, when we know who is in control and when we fully trust in God, I sit here with no fear because of this. Even if I die, the best gift I will ever receive when I die, I get to meet my creator, God, face to face. What a gift that is to me and to us. You see, they were doing, the disciples, what many do. God, how can you let this happen to us? They're asking that question. Jesus, wait a minute, what about us? What will we do? What kind of way was, they were thinking, what kind of way is God for you to treat us this way after all we've sacrificed and done for you? Why would you leave us alone? What good was a Messiah that was going to leave them? They were fearful Because he was leaving. And why would Jesus get their hopes up and leave them with a world that hated them? In fact, this world hated them that they were in. And they knew that they would be without Jesus, and so fear wanted to overcome them. You see, they were hoping he would do something to keep them from being separated from him. They couldn't feel his pain. But he could feel theirs. See, these are honest emotions that some of you are even dealing with. God, are you really there? Like, God, if you were there, then why don't you put a stop to this? Why do we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death? And God, if you were a loving God, then why do I feel so separated from you? See, he even knew that one of them would... Reject him later, yet our God loved them so much that he unpacks this truth in John 14 to bring comfort to their hearts. You see, it doesn't matter to me what virus comes our way. It could be Corona or Verona or Verona. It doesn't matter. Because Jesus is the immunization to any virus and any trouble that you and I will ever face. Jesus is the immunization. So Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a home for you, a room for you. They wanted him to say, I'm not leaving you. But often God allows us to enter death valleys so that we can see he's a God that we can trust. You see, many of us need to close the gap from what we've been taught to what we learned and those valleys that God allows us to walk through even like this is our chance to say that even though I can't see clearly the end, I have a God that can and I will trust in him. You see, all my life, in your life, if you're a believer, God has been faithful. I've buried a lot of people in my lifetime I've buried babies and I've buried grandparents and I've buried moms and dads and brothers and sisters. I've had caskets that were this size and six and a half feet long. I buried my own dad three years ago. I've buried a lot of people. But here's what I know to be true. Every time I stand at the casket or a grave of someone that knows Christ, I come back to this passage and say, their body is here, but their soul and their spirit is in heaven. And they are better off now than they will ever be. My mom has Alzheimer's. And it's difficult to watch someone who used to be so alive, fully in control, live in a distant mind, not even knowing me and knowing others. But I find great hope in knowing that when my mom breathes her last breath, she will be more alive than she's ever been because Jesus promised to go and prepare a place for her in heaven because she is his daughter. You see, he's telling these disciples, I'm going and preparing a place for you. I long for you to be with me one day. You see, you and I can't get to heaven on our own. We don't have the title nor the deed to the property. We're not property owners in heaven to these rooms. The only person that can have the deed or access to our home is Jesus. You see, we don't have enough good works we don't have enough resources there is nothing that we can do to get to God and heaven except through Jesus Jesus bought our title our room with his blood on the cross and so he's looking at these disciples and he's saying hold on listen don't fear there's no reason to fear I'm going to prepare a room for you. I'm Jesus, and I'm the only one that can do it. You can't do anything to get to God, but I got your debt covered with my blood. And for the first time, these disciples were processing this. You see, he sets all their fears aside and says, there are many rooms for you. Listen to me. You will die one day unless the church is raptured. And by the way, death is the number one killer in the world. Most of us really don't know how old we are, and most of us don't know who the old people are. And you might be looking up around your room right now and say, Oh, yeah, I did. He's old. <laughs> My wife reminds me that I'm older than her. But most of us don't realize who the old people are because how old you are is not determined by your birth date, it's determined by your death date. You see, if you're 20 and you're seated in that room right now and you only live to your 40 years old, you're old. If you're 40 and you're seated in that room right now and you live to your 100, you are young. And since we don't know how far we are going to make it, we really don't know who the old people are in our rooms. Yet way too many people think they are younger when they are older than they think. And so Jesus answered. And they asked, okay, then how do we get to these rooms? And he says this in John chapter 14, and just look again, he says in verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Maybe you don't know how to get there. You see, Jesus is giving directions. H- have you ever gone to an unfamiliar place and, and maybe in a big city and you stopped and you walked into a, a gas station because your map wasn't working well or you couldn't find your way and you stopped someone and you said, how can I get there? Have you ever sat there and they're giving you directions? Go to the next light and turn left. And after you get to the next light, the third stop sign turned right and, and when you go there you'll see a building and you're sitting there going and they give you directions and you walk away and say thanks and you get back in your car and you ask your wife your husband did you understand that and you find yourselves like well I'll just try to figure it out that's how it is with us you see we don't know exactly how to get to heaven and Jesus is looking at these bewildered disciples listen here's a clear way you don't have to to drive there yourself you don't need to ask Siri I'm going to come and get you why because you're no longer lost and I am going to take you with me you can sit in the back I'm the driver and I have a room for you the directions are through me and these disciples were seated there and hearing this for the first time You see, God's answer to their fear is a person and not a formula and not an immunization. It's Jesus. You see, every opportunity to be afraid is an opportunity to trust in Jesus. No weapon formed against us will ever prosper. Our Bible says so much in regards to fear. Just listen to some of these passages. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my right hand, Isaiah 41.10. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, Psalm 56.3. Peace I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give it to you as the world does, do not be worried and upset, do not be afraid, John 14 27. But now, this is what the Lord says fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. Isaiah 43 1. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Psalm 55.22. So what does that mean to us today? It means everything. Jesus is the answer to our fears. Jesus is the way to security and God Jesus promises that even if you die and I die he will come and get you you don't need directions you just need to hop on with Jesus so what will you do with Jesus let me ask you a question today what is your exit plan when you breathe your last breath What are you trusting in this morning in that room? You see, I'm trusting in Jesus. When I was a young boy, four and a half years old, a sweet lady by the name of Mabel Huff told me this truth. Now listen to me. And I believed her. She taught me something. And I closed the gap with trust. She told me, Jimmy Brown, if you trust in Jesus Christ, he will never leave you nor forsake you. That was way before technology like we have today. Flannel graph, musty smelling Sunday school classroom. A sweet lady told me what I'm telling you right now, that Jesus is the hope of the world. And you know what? I believed her. And I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So you know what's happened? 54 years of my life, everywhere that I have gone, God has gone with me because our God will never leave you nor forsake you. So I have no fear of COVID-19. I have no fear of, of contracting this virus. Why? Because even if I breathe my last breath with this virus, my next breath is in the presence of the living God who promised me that he would come and get me. What is your plan? Would you bow your heads with me for a second in the rooms that you're in? Please, like, don't leave and don't get up and just just give me a minute here. Are you fretting? Are you worrying? Do you have full trust in the plan after death? Do you have an exit plan? What will... Happen to you when you breathe your last breath. Listen to me if you're uncertain of your future, Jesus makes it certain. Jesus is the answer to close the gap from being taught to what we've learned. Jesus is the answer. For us and a relationship with them. Our Bibles are full of examples of people trusting fully in the work of Jesus Christ. Our Bibles say this that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ is life. The Bible tells us that there's a gap between you and I in this place called heaven. And the only way we get there is through salvation through Jesus and grace through faith alone. You see, you and I can never earn our way to God. We can never do enough good. It's impossible. It's only through the work of Jesus on the cross. The Bible says this, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. Saved from what? Saved to what? Saved from an eternity in hell and saved to a relationship with Jesus forever. An eternity in heaven. I promise you this. I wish I could walk into your room right now. I wish I could could come in with a magic wand and just wave it over you and say, don't fear. God's got this. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. I wish I could take what I have and trust fully in, the work of Jesus on the cross, and put it inside of you. I spent time all last night and this week praying for this moment because the only way to God, the Father, eternal life is through Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Answer this question. Do you know that you know that you know that there's been a moment in time where you fully trusted, not just believed in God, but trusted in the work of Jesus on the cross and you confess with your mouth that he was your Lord and you surrendered your will and repented of your sin and said Jesus it's you plus nothing if you haven't I'm going to ask you to do something in that room that you're in that car that you're in that, that place that you're watching this message if you would like to have a stake in the ground moment and say this is the moment i'm going to trust in jesus because i'm fearful i'm fretting and i need peace that passes all understanding then the bible says we pray and prayer is just a confession of what we already believe so would you just confess with your mouth these truths dear god i acknowledge my need of you I believe that Jesus is the way the truth and the life I ask for forgiveness of my sins please forgive me Jesus I repent of them and I trust fully in your son and I surrender my life to him and I believe he was raised from the dead save me Jesus. Let me just speak to you there in a thoughtful prayer. What you just received is living hope. And now wherever you go, God goes with you. You have no reason to fear because God is with you. And your security now and forever is secured in the way maker our God is the promise keeper our God is the savior of the world thank you Jesus for bringing new people home and making rooms for them in heaven and may they find their peace and hope in you this morning In. Jesus name Amen